This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. Thank you very much for your patience in uh, allowing us to have a week off. Um, we will be refunding all the subscription fees, or at least a, a proportion of that amount um, for, you know, last week where we didn't actually have an opposition team to to uh, preview. Um, I'm sort of letting us off the hook there a bit. We just kind of, you know, have lives and stuff and kind of couldn't be asked as well um but anyway we're here so stop moaning um joining is full house today mr raj Baines and mr sebastian stafford Bloor, both both in tow how you doing lads don't don't all come at me at once well, so it's weird <laughs> when you introduce us both at the same time we don't know who's supposed to speak first sorry yeah mate you need to you need to do a bit of traffic this is now this is that you know like when the joker tosses the whatever it is that that weapon to the to the two lads uh in the dark night that's what i was doing there to you two <laughs> what does he it's not a, i thought he chucks him a pencil but he doesn't does he what what's the actual weapon he chucks to him is it know. just is Which, it a knife i think it's been ages since i've seen that film mm. yeah there's one for you listeners what does the joker throw to the two goons um, the winner gets a naked picture from seb yeah <laughs> Do you, do you sign off on that one, Seb? That's what that laugh. No, 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 no. That 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 was my uncomfortable laugh. Why uncomfortable? <laughs> you, you, you should, yeah. No, I just I was. I didn't. You know. I thought. I thought. Kind of. Usually, we we kind of ease our way into this sort of chat. So she then, said. You, you know. We... <laughs> <laughs> but you, you've gone with it right from the beginning. And, but it's been know. a week off, mate. Come on, we've got these in there. So you've you've had these stories. Yeah. In okay. The bank. Well. Come on. Okay. Yeah, but you got to let me. You know. It's, uh, again, week off. So. I'm not. I'm, I'm a little bit out of rhythm. Okay. <laughs> Don't stop making it so easy, mate. Come on. Come on. You're doing it on purpose now. You're doing it on purpose. You know what you're doing. Seb. You know what you're doing. Um, right, lads. Let's uh, let's let's jump straight in. It was a good week for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Um, starting in the Champions League, where you know I, I'm I'm going to say I, I I would all almost say was a must-win game. Um, and they came through, probably not quite that dramatic, but I'll still chuck it out there, must-win game. Um, overall, were you encouraged by the performance, Raj? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, um, I didn't get to see it live. Um, I was trying my best. I actually texted you to Dinta because Huddersfield had a home game that night. 
Um, so I couldn't let my mate down and not go with him. Um, so I recorded it, uh, it fully, sort of intending to not see the score at all, sort of put my phone away and turned 4G off and all that sort of a business. Only for about 80 minutes in, the, the lad behind us on his accumulator, um, Tottenham were obviously on it, and out of nowhere he blurts out the score, and I swear right there, and then I could have lamped him. Um, <laughs> so I, it was a really. You should have done. Not even told him. Like he would have wouldn't have had a clue that you were. I know he either. got an he got an earful. So my mate sat next to me, and I'm just you know telling this guy that he's fucking ruined me evening, and he's really apologetic. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, I watched the full game when I got home, regardless, um, knowing that we'd scored at least once. Um, but I, was, I think uh, just the professional of it, professionalism of the performance and um, just the way I went, they, they went about their task. I mean, Sesc is one of those places where um, people do that thing where they say it's an hard place to go in, especially in that, in that new ground. They've got a really good record. Um, and we played as if we were the home team and there was no sort of uh, fear or intimidation, even with sort of only a handful of away supporters allowed. Um, it was it was a fantastic performance. I think one of my favourite things from it was um, when Nakudu came on because he, I think that's probably the best we've seen him. He just attacked um, relentlessly, he almost turned the game um, just with his directness, which is, I think, something that Pochettino's been asking for a little bit more, which is why we spent a lot of money on Sissoko as well. He seems, um, he seems smart though, doesn't he? That's the thing as well about Nakudu. Yeah, confident in the right way as well. It's not cocky, it's just sort of, um, it's that confidence I suppose you need as a winger to be able to take somebody on and, and carry the ball at speed, uh, which I like. And he's he's whippet quick as well. He's one of those where one of my old, my old rugby coaches would say that he'd be able to catch pigeons. Um, he's, that, he's that sort of speed to him, so I, I really enjoyed that. How did how did you feel about the, the game, Seb? Because I, I almost felt that... <sighs> I think the the, the lads, uh, he's 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 probably having quite a rough time of it at the moment. But we did look a bit better when Janssen came off, in my opinion. Although I don't think he had a bad game, I just think that we Lamella, for example, kind of wasn't quite didn't seem to gel with him. No, did he? not really. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, do, I think it's what we've seen before from him, though, mate. It's, it's kind of those, you know, for we, we like Janssen as a pod. Um, but we accept also that sort of there's a um, there's a few degrees of um, few degrees more chemistry needed before it he you know we see what he's actually capable of because at the moment when he when he starts he can do his finishing does need to improve and I think he needs to stop sort of snatching at chances of course he's nervous and eager and you know anxious and all that kind of stuff so that that's to be expected. If you but um, he, um, see the disparity between the way in which he plays for us and how he plays with the Netherlands where he's more comfortable. Um, you can just see the, the sort of he's still yet to come out of his shell properly. Well, also, I mean, he's um, you know he's he's played with a lot of the the, the, um, the Dutch squad before, of course. Uh, and, yeah, that's what yeah, I'm saying. He, I mean, he's, he's okay. Um, well, he um, he yeah, but I mean, generally speaking, I, I mean, I, I thought we played actually quite well. I mean, I know sort of uh, that game has sort of been broken into two halves, and it's been separated into you know, an average Tottenham performance before Janssen went off and a good one after. Um, but actually, I, I thought a lot of the game was um, was pretty encouraging. I When I saw the team, and obviously we knew Kane was out, but, you know, we didn't expect necessarily um, both fullbacks, both first-choice fullbacks to be missing. And kind of that always worries me because um, obviously Rosenwalker have, have developed so much that they they sort of, 
Trippier and, and Ben Davis are firmly second choices now. But actually, the shape was really good. And the penetration in wide areas was pretty good as well. And I thought I, I, that was actually kind of the, the most pleasing aspect of it, other than the goal and the win and the points. It's just that we don't have, like in, in previous tournament teams, there's always been that situation where you lose one key player and you know things aren't going to quite be the same. And now we seem to be able to survive that. Kane, you know, we, we, we still miss Kane, and of course. But, you know, for two, so, for two players who are so structurally important, to not play and for us still to perform well was, was great. I know it's, it's really unexpected. Well, it's one of those things I know I've called out Ben Davies and less so Kieran Trippier, but I'm, you know, I haven't been overly enamoured with him in the past. But I think it, it goes back to that point we were making before um, when we saw Chadley in the respect that Chadley wasn't really at our level and it stood out that he wasn't really at our level, but has walked into, you know, ironically, West Brom's team and looks like, clearly their best player um and i just I, I think it is encouraging like you say that trippier and ben davies who still to me are, i think are miles off of rose and walker now but they can come in and do a, a great job in the champions league away from home in a, in a tricky tie like that it, it yeah. I, I think it not only shows you kind of the, the caliber of the players ahead of them but it also just shows you the caliber of us as a team and as a squad at large yeah, exactly um which how well we're coached as well as a, as a group i mean i um you know we're not we're not sort of like well you know we're going to go out there and you know if a bale performs or a van der Vaart or a modric then then we'll be in good shape it's not you know it's not remotely like that now we're a um we're a collective genuinely i mean i know we have our standout players but you know there's there there is um even even Kane, who we all feared when he went down, would, would sort of have a detrimental impact on our form, hasn't materialised. And actually, our best performance. I know we're going to come on to City, but you know our best performance of the season came without him. It's definitely um, uh, just just interesting. just to close on CSK uh, or Suska, Kuska, however you pronounce it. Um, it it is encouraging to get the three points, isn't it? Ah, oh, of course, yeah. Would you, uh, would, do you think I was being overly dramatic with the must-win stuff, Raj, or, you know, giving no, no, lost I think game? No, having lost a home game, um, which I don't think we did in the, the last time we were in the Champions League when we finished top of our group, we needed to sort of react. And I think it was the sort of the manner of performance, the fact that they had sort of um, disappointed um, in that first Champions League game. And they seem to get out of their system almost immediately, mm. um, which is just goes to show sort of the work that was probably done on the training field between those two games and sort of the level of understanding that, that went into it. I think Monaco probably uh, a, a slightly more dangerous side and, and still pose more threats than, than, than Seska will do, um, which, you know, probably is, is why they didn't really trouble us, didn't really land a glove on us land a glove on it on us at all if i can get my words out um so it was um yeah it was pleasing that uh, and what um said was saying before as well about sort of not being overly reliant on one player i think it, it there's a change happening where there was a spine last season that we were extremely reliant on and, and you know if Dembele went out and things and Pochettino even said earlier on this season didn't he without Dembele we don't exist which is a bit sort of um, <laughs> it's a bit much for him given that he usually sort of drip feeds information out and, and isn't one to sort of make statements like that especially as dramatic sounding as that was so it may be sort of him himself sort of making the, the system more important than 
those who are in it um, because everyone's performing to a certain level and the results are still occurring. So maybe it's um, just his own confidence and his own management style and, and what he's trying to achieve with the style of football he's playing is is making us rest, less reliant on individual talent and it doesn't matter who's playing, but as long as the collective hits certain beats, then um, the team will still achieve what, what it's attended to. So, so um, because if we take it a few days later on from that, we recorded what was probably one of the finest wins stroke performances under uh, under Pochettino's belt. I, I, I'm just going to say from the off, I don't really buy that it was the best. I think a lot of people have been wowed by the kind of pep factor, although it is a, it is a thing. I don't think we should be totally just like it was the best because we beat a Pep Guardiola team. Um, I think, you know, like the 4-1 at home last year against City, the 2-1 away from home last year were still both great performances. 5-3 against Chelsea was a fantastic performance at home. Um, but it was very, very good. Uh, and it was, I don't know, I was I was pretty blown away by, by the match. Um I mean, I saw you briefly after the game, Seb, um, and at mm. that time, I think both of us were struggling to to process it fully. <laughs> but kind of bounced down the high road. Yeah, yeah I mean, now, <laughs> now you've had a bit of time to dwell on it. Where would you say your your mind is at on the on the game in particular? Well, you know, you mentioned that the, the Chelsea game, the five three, and the City game last year. I think that um, I think that that game was more impressive because. No, I, I we scored more goals in both games, and it they were, um, you know, a, a proper sort of back and forward English football games. But I thought that um, the most impressive aspect of of that of the recent uh, the recent uh, City game was, was the control. So you know, there was none of that sort of sense of the old kind of the old Tottenham pattern in big games used to be um, not always, but commonly to to race into a lead to play very well. And then to get to sort of one one nil two nil, and then not really being sure what to do beyond that. Um, so you'd usually see like a sort of you know a goal, a team coming back into it, and then us sort of hanging on towards the end. And and I thought that uh, it was just very complete performance. I think that's why it was so satisfying. I mean, you know, ne- neither goal was really a masterpiece. Um, you know, our attacking football was good, but you know, a little bit patchy and a little bit haphazard at times. And you know, our final ball wasn't great, but it was just. You know, they. It was like watching us hold a team at arm's length, and not just any team. It was like I, it, City looked like a kind of. Um, they, they didn't look any more impressive than you know Crystal Palace had done the, the you know a couple of weeks earlier, uh, back in August, which is very interesting. And I, I look, I, I completely accept that City are under new management. They've got several new players, and they're also missing Kevin De Bruyne. And and these, you know, these are important details, but. Um, for where we are, I just thought it was. I, I I haven't enjoyed a game of football that much or been as satisfied by one for a really long time. Mm. Um, just just especially not while I encountered you, De Bruyne point, mate. We're missing Kane and Dembele, <laughs> so you know, fuck him. Well, that, no, that that's very fair. You know what? For I'd say that Dembele, Kane, Dembele and Kane cumulatively are more more important to us than De Bruyne is to them. So yeah, that, that's very fair. Um, with Kane missing. Raj, uh, it kind of and you know, Janssen sort of stuttering at the moment. We did see that change in system against City slightly, um, at least in terms of like the personnel uh, and the way in which they were deployed. Um, 
is that something you'd like to see us stick with? I mean, do you, do you reckon that would work carrying carried forwards, or do you think a team like West Brom, um, where it's you know it's a bit more rigid kind of defensively under a boss like Pulis, we're probably not going to have as much sort of time to express ourselves or freedom, should we say, to express ourselves as we might have against a team like City. Um, do you think we need to maybe revert back to kind of sticking Janssen up front against a team like that? I don't think Janssen not playing from the start against City was a, a particular comment against him particularly. I think it was more Pochettino picking horses for courses. Because of the, the style of game it was likely to be with a lot of you know fast-paced possession on the floor and what he wanted to achieve by sort of counteracting what Manchester City do in sort of their back third with how they play out from the back and, and scaring Bravo and getting at the defenders um, is just more achievable with a faster front three. Um, and Son's been at the club longer, he, he's quicker, he's, he's he looks a bit fitter than Janssen does. And uh, that's not to say that Janssen doesn't work hard, it's just that perhaps for this game that was the better fit and it, that's the way it, it turned out you know, on the day. Um, with a player like Harry Kane, it's sort of, he's that good that he plays in, in any occasion. Um, but as soon as you take a, a step down from that very top tier, which is probably where the the likes of Son and um, Janssen live, um, then there is a little bit more room to make interchanges and, and to sort of, you know, pick and choose as you want. I think it was a that was more a, a successful piece of of management and planning than than sort of um, fear or or sort of a, a, a mark against anybody's name. Um, I think that's that's maybe just the, the negative mindset a Tottenham fan looks for the the negative spin on that first, which is to knock down Janssen and to put a tick in the box against Pochettino's name, which is how I read it personally. Um, but you know, it's 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 obviously a, a system that's worked for us, um, and if he thinks that's gonna be fruitful against other opposition, then he, he may well do it again. But against West Brom, who are slightly more uh, lethargic on the ball and and will naturally play deeper, um, there is a temptation with Janssen's back to goal and and the way he can, you know, mix it up with defenders essentially, and he's not scared of getting physical in a way that I don't think. Son is capable of um, is, is is maybe a way to go. I think, um, I think one of the things that st- stood out for me um, with that kind of the the sub we had against City is it seemed to be even more so than when Kane plays really, just because I think he naturally lends himself to being, although he can drop back, he does lend himself to just being a striker really, um, and I think a lot of other players see him that way mostly. Um, but with the with you know. Essentially, Ericsson, Ali, Lamella, and Son, who all are fairly similar in a similar kind of bracket, um, albeit having their own kind of specialisms, I would say, within that. Um, it did seem to be, I, I would say, the clearest example of that kind of fluid forward four that we've seen. And it, 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 I, th- I think it was most noticed for the fact that Ericsson seemed to have the best performance I've seen him have in quite a while against City. And it was quite understated, really, because he, he didn't, I guess he didn't really do anything significant. Um, but it did seem to be that he had one of those, like I say, understated, almost metronomic performances that we've spoken about. Him he played hopefully... far deeper than he usually does as well, which is, you know, not an easy task. I think it's something that Pochettino did with him in that away game against City last year as well. So maybe he spotted something 
with sort of their playing stuff that he thinks Ericsson can exploit from a deeper position. But like you say, I do enjoy him when he plays there. There is a, a sort of a, a a calm about what he brings to the side, just being able to, as you say, you know, dictate the pace of the game and, and keep it going. He did join a lot of dots as well. Yeah. It was kind of, it was interesting because Jack's right, he, he didn't do anything particularly significant, but there were... You know, especially up in their half, there were a lot of sort of second balls which he picked up and kind of pushed into um, into sort of surrounding players' path, and and he, um, you know, cut out a few uh, passes which are you know trying to penetrate into our um, into our midfield. It was um, it's one of those sort of quietly impressive things. I think um, I don't know. I mean, I, hard, hard to know, of course, but I think like part of him playing a little bit deeper was maybe a reaction to Ali. So I'm, I think that sort of I. The deeper Ali plays, I mean, we we obviously saw him at Wembley um, playing the centre of midfield, and he looks so vulnerable. Um, and also, of course, you, you know, you, the best side of his game is what he does in the final third, and you know, linking with a forward or a wide player. And I think maybe Ericsson was kind of moved back um, as a sort of an extra bit of security, even as ridiculous as that sounds, given you know that Ericsson is not exactly a formidable defensive presence. Um, but yeah, he just he just brought a bit, a bit of calm into that area, which Ali doesn't. Ali's kind of a scatty player in a way. Like he's, um, you know, part of what makes him good is obviously he's fairly unpredictable and you know he's very hard to read. But you know the the negative side of that is you know he's quite hard for his teammates to read sometimes, and that's you know it's not ideal in in central midfield. I don't I don't suppose isn't um, scatting shitting on people. <laughs> I don't know, mate. Depends what you've been you've been doing online. Well, Google it. Get Google it in the workplace. Well, not neither of you two, but anyone listening, just Google scatting. But do it in the workplace with your boss, preferably behind you. Well, it's either shitting on people or singing, isn't it? Yeah, the scat man, which is either. God, I remember that. Yeah, which is that's a very long time. It, ago. I wonder if he was conscious of the connotations behind that when he gave himself. Didn't he have Scatman John? Did, yeah, didn't he have a speech impediment? <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's got a stutter. Yeah, and so he sort of that, God, that was weird. that was a very strange time for music. That sort of like I want to I want to say like nineteen ninety four, something like that. But it's it's one of those things, isn't it? I, I believe it's like you know when you got a stutter when you sing and so on and so forth. It's different it goes away. part of the. Uh, I don't know whether it's a different part of the. I, I don't actually know the kind of physics, the mechanics behind a stutter. No, nor do I. Um, There's that um, Gareth Gates. That's his name. Yeah, the the X Factor was that X Factor or or is like uh, or one of those kind of programs. Yeah, he could barely Scro- speak. Scroobius Pip as well is another notable example of. Uh... Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Scatman John was nineteen ninety five, sir. Bloody hell! Oof, close. I was three years close. old. Yeah. He died in nineteen ninety nine. Did he? Scatman John is dead. <laughs> yes, and there's our, there's our podcast title done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Really? Son, yeah, he I don't know that. Yeah, he died. He fifty-seven when he died. So, was it yeah, a big C or something? Or... No, lung mm. cancer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, poor guy. That's a sour note on our scat. Pouring out a little liquor to Scatman John. Um, but I want just going back to the city game. We'll have away from <laughs> moving scat, on away from scat. Um. One other kind of point of note, really, was the performance of man of the match, Mr. Victor Wanyama. Um, he, yeah, he was 
nothing short of a titan against Manchester City. It seemed to be the the kind of performance that we've been waiting for from him. Not that, again, not that he's been playing poorly at all, but just you know, you've always felt that he's been capable of a lot more, and it it seems to be that he's kind of a bit more up to speed now, if you like, or whatever. Or maybe it's just because he's playing on his own in that band, not alongside Eric Dyer. But for whatever reason, he looked uh, he looked pretty fantastic. Um, is this going to... Because this is going to be interesting now with regard to Mr. Dembele coming back and with Eric Dyer, who who occupies that position now? Because it, 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 I think Pochettino... Well, I don't think Pochettino has pretty much out and out said he only really wants to play with one defensive midfielder uh, going forwards. Um, I mean, Dembele, okay, I guess you can make the case that he's not technically out-and-out defensive midfielder. Um, but who do you see playing in that role? And do, Will this perhaps maybe see Eric Dyer drop back into a kind of more defensive, as in like actually playing as a defender once again, Seb? You you, you mean sort of you, uh, revert him to kind of... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's, it's quite an interesting one because I, I honestly don't think you can drop Wanyama. I just think that would send a terrible message because he was great again. He was magnificent against City, but I also think he was our best player in Russia as well. And I just don't think, given given everything we've seen from Poch over the last few years, he rewards form. And I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a nice problem to have, but I don't see how you could justify saying, well, um, and also against West Brom as well, I, I don't, you know, he's exactly the sort of player that, that you want there. Um I mean, they, they're going to sort of. Yeah, I, I, I believe that you know you'll see Claudio Jacob and Darren Fletcher start in the middle for them, and possibly Craig Garner as well. And and Wanyama is exactly the kind of player that you want to put into that mixture. Um, so I don't know. I mean, um, I, I imagine I, I could see, I could actually see us probably playing. Uh, oh, I don't know, mate. <laughs> it's tough know. isn't it it's, it's... it is but it's a great thing to be a great great place to be in because you, you know all these players are on form I think actually West Brom one of the forward players will be sacrificed not necessarily in shape but in personnel I think one of Ali or Ericsson will drop out um, and um, and yeah Wanyam I, I, I don't really know what Dembele's fitness is at the moment either so we don't um Hard to say what, what what's going to happen there, but I'd imagine that sort of if Dyer's fit and Wanyama's fit, I'd, I'd probably play those two side by side. Do you think, Raj? Because um, I've, I've obviously just been guilty of it there. That the the fact that we have, although you are always going to whatever level you're at, have your strongest eleven. But do you think this kind of fixation with who's going to start? We've got all these great players, so on and so forth, is kind of rooted in a time where. Spurs weren't the sort of club that we are now. And by that, I mean, we are a club that's punching at a level now. We are, essentially, we're, we are not even aspiring. We're a title-challenging team now. We should be aiming for, or even finishing in the top four now. We're contesting the Champions League at the moment. Do we just need to get used to the fact that, you know, Although we do on paper have this kind of binary strongest eleven, 
ultimately we need to have lots of very very good players and that's the position we find ourselves in now so it's not so much about who starts when you know in this really kind of black white fashion that it's actually more um the fact that who starts in this game because they're for example although Wanyama has obviously made the case for himself to to probably our standout midfielder thus far I would probably say his range of passing for example and his perhaps reading of the play going forwards at least isn't as strong as someone like Eric Dyers for example um so in a game where maybe we feel that we could utilize that Dyer would perhaps take Wanyama's place Mm -hmm. ahead of him um what would you what would you say to that one, Raj? I don't really see a problem, to be honest with you. Um Eric Diablossim ran his blood to water for the best part of the entire of last season because we had no alternative to him. So the fact that we now have an alternative, I don't think we should really be too worried about the fact that he's not playing every minute possible because he's earned himself that game time. Um I think it's interesting that there is this competition for places and it's a recurring theme that happens since Pochettino has arrived at the club where there have been one or two players who seem where there's there's not a lot between them and there's only one space available in in excuse me one available space for them in the um in the starting team and um and they sort of they battle it out and they they have to earn their place and at the moment Fair play to Victor Wanyama, as you two have pointed out. He's been absolutely exceptional, um, especially in these past two games, as you said, against um, Seska and Manchester City. Um, but that's not to say that Eric Dyer can't show the type of form he did last season. I mean, I wouldn't want to play them together too often because I think that is slightly negative and, and slightly reductive and, and does take away from some of the forward impetus that we've had. Um, but the options there and the options there between the two of them as well. I mean, this doesn't mean now that Victor Wanyama plays all the way until Christmas until he either runs out of steam or breaks something. It means that he, if he plays three games on the trot, he gets a rest. And Eric Dyer comes in and we lose absolutely nothing and we get in a player of equal quality, if not better. Um, and there's, there's no real drop-off there. We've always had for, for some time now, and I think you touched on this when you asked the question, Jack, Um a large drop-off in key areas where one player would have to drop out and the reserve-grade player just wasn't up to scratch and we would suffer as a consequence, the results would suffer and and what started out as a promising season would, would flitter out into you know disappointment ultimately. And the fact that we can keep juggling players and and have constant options there is is a positive as far as I'm concerned. I'm not I'm not gonna shed too many tears over the fact that we've got one Yammer and Dyer. I think um Pochettino will, will, will make the decisions week on week and um we're all the better for it as as far as I'm concerned. It's not one of those uh, cases where um maybe in a sort of a Kevin Wimmer sense where you can see either of them getting disappointed because I think the both of them will and should get playing time when needed. Um, and that's, you know, it's a, it's a positive. Yeah. Um, right, so we do have a game against West Brom coming up, um, unfortunately. We weren't able to source a West Brom guest. Sorry, Jack's listeners. Jack's awesome, but he was racist. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit of a weird one, that. Um, his bio literally says, what is it? Right wing, voted out, but not racist. <laughs> Crazy, I know. Um, which is, you know, fair enough, I guess. 
And he's been retweeting Nigel Farage, the Daily Express, and Donald Trump for the past part of you know, six months. So that's the point that's more questionable, isn't it? You know, <laughs> I'm not sure that's the type of company we wanted to keep on this podcast. Could have been good fun though. We haven't really had a fiery podcast that could that could have been could have been interesting, perhaps. Um, but yeah, I mean, West Brom. I'm not. Do you think he wants mean, to make West Brom gate again? They were a big team, weren't they, way back when, I think? Or at least a semi-sort of big yeah. team. They won the league a good back few Back when times. his politics were, were last popular. <laughs> his politics were probably still out of date back then, mate. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, they're dreadful at the moment, aren't they? They're like a, a truly appalling team. Um, although they have got Nasa Chadley in now, who is seems to be doing quite... Quite the job for them. Um, you'd expect us to turn these to turn them over, though, wouldn't you? Hey, I, I never know. Like they're away because it's just one of those places, isn't it? I know that's a, a cliche. I'm sorry for that, but they're um, they're a stubborn fucker of a team. Um, I think they. I can't remember which sequence, but they they got a point where at Sunderland drew away at Stoke. Um, I think they. I'm not not this particularly difficult, but they absolutely battered West Ham at home. I think back in maybe September. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it's, I think they're, they're quite a good barometer team. It's one of those sides that you have to play quite well to beat away from home. Um, I think as we learned back in, um, in May, um, you know, they're because of the way they play and because they're quite a formulaic football team, they don't necessarily have to be in a game to get something from it. Um, I, I read a statistic earlier this afternoon, um, which, it's, it's not a surprise, but um, bang on 50% of their goals have come from set pieces. And that's, I know we've got a lot better at defending set pieces and our defensive unit is pretty solid in those situations, but you know, um, you never feel entirely secure against a Pulis team. Um, if we play well, we'll win, but if we drop off, if we've got a little bit of um, post-international hangover going on, you know, if our, it's, it's difficult. So it's a, it's a game that you've got to go and win rather than one that you can just sort of sit back and, and wait for them to lose, I think. Uh, have you got any? You got anything to add on West Brom, Raj? Uh, no, I think he's pretty much covered all yeah, bases. Yeah, he's smashed it there, hasn't he? Um, he? He's right. It's an odd, it's not a ground for us. We don't tend to um, do very no. well there, um, which is... We dig ourselves holes there, which is really weird. <laughs> Like we 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 sort of don't I mean, worry, okay, mate. Chadley's, that, that, Chadley's plugging all those at the moment, mate. So mate, Chad Chadley Chadley scored three goals in four games of them. I think and Ch- you think Chadley's their like best player. Um, like Tiger Woods. Like the more he's shagging off the field, the better he performs. Like that's his <laughs> lifeblood. I don't know, unless he went through a hell of a dry spell while he was with us. I, I think he know. just finished, em- mate. He like he completed London. Mind. He, he like he has to move on to Burnley. Yeah, like he'd run out of swipes on <laughs> Tinder. That's why he, he yeah. moved. Transfer request Just, went in the next day. Yeah, <laughs> there's no more Twitter accounts that he can Just DM. Lev- leveled up, right? Yeah, <laughs> got all the XP he can. No, it's a bit nerdy, isn't it? Because you know, like no, I think I genuinely think like oh. Tiger Woods, if he started like banging every cocktail waitress going again, he'd be winning majors. And I think that's the, the same case with NASA Chadley. He's gonna just guide guide West Brom onto Premier League glory. Yeah, the lower he climbs in his private life, the higher he climbs in his professional one. I do, I do like Nasa Chadley. Oh, he's an absolute fuck hero. I love him. Like, I think he's he's gonna be one of those players, isn't he? Like ten years down the line, that 
will have a good like uh, a good presence. I think I think he'll, he'll be he'd be welcome back at the club for you know whatever these legends nights where you know the, the ones that you say where it's a load of old racists going to eat fish and chips and listen to <laughs> stories. <laughs> I think that's the best description I've had of legends nights ever, actually. Um, but uh, let's do some listing. I thought you meant like testimonials, not like no. the ones in like working men's clubs where they've made a flyer on Microsoft Paint. Yeah, <laughs> we clip up like football and a leg on a ball sort of thing. Um, Seb's only about five years away from attending those. <laughs> he's he's going to be running them soon, mate. He's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the retirement plan. Yeah, that's it. Um, let's do some list of questions. We've had one from oh, had one from Borley, friend of the show, Borley. Asks a, an oddly Tottenham centric question. Actually, um, I wonder if Everton have been linked to him though. Nicest man on the whole of Merseyside, Paulie. I have to say, apart from Sai, of course, they're they're equally nice. But um, yeah, lovely, lovely person. Even if he does look Even terrifying, he, he is a terrifying looking person. And and there, there's there, there's there's really nothing funny about what initially about being sort of pursued across a road outside <laughs> Goodison Park by someone who looks like Paulie. But he's a lovely guy. Uh, at Borley EFC, he's our, <laughs> if you're not aware, um, listen to all of our Everton pods and, yeah, enjoy. Um, he asks, does Kevin Wimmer have the right to ask for a move, even though he played 10 games last season? Um, I'm guessing perhaps he's been linked to Everton. He he, he did come out and say today that uh, he, he, he doesn't feel... Um, doesn't feel there's any issue with Spurs that they've told him that they very much value him, so on and so forth. But he is conscious of the fact he's not actually really playing games at the moment, even the midweek games. Mm. Um, I mean, he's, there's obviously a lot of talent there. There's uh, there's never been anything concrete about there being a fallout with Pochettino, much as it's been intimated by everyone else. Um, but it is it is a bit of a I guess it is a bit of a conundrum because you can't. The form that Vertonghen's in at the moment and his partnership with Alderweireld, you really don't want to break that up. And I, I guess the fact that we're in the Champions League now as opposed to being in the Europa League where yeah, you yeah. might have had more freedom to to stick Wimmer in there, it, it, it becomes ever harder to drop players like Vertonghen for, for Wimmer, really. Um, I mean, could you... You couldn't really blame him if he did want to go, but it, it would be a shame, wouldn't it, don't you think? If I if if I was if I was a player in the Tottenham squad on the fringes, the last position I'd want to play as centre back because at the moment those those are the sort of the incumbent players are pretty much immovable, um, with the exception of Lloris. I mean, they're just <clears throat> there's no real, um, yeah. I just and by all accounts, apparently like Vimmer, Vimmer's not even really third choice anymore. He's kind of behind Cameron Carter Vickers, uh, which seems so, weird because he's. I'm going to be honest. He seems like a bit crap every time i've seen him which is all of all of kind of twice but i mean crap's mate, probably a bit wendy harsh. is go, gonna be all over you for that but mate, he hasn't really inspired that much confidence in the I, same way vimmer has for me like yeah I, I don't disagree with you but i haven't seen enough of him to no, know no, i mean I, 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 sort of, is a very like, I mean posh must have seen something on the training ground that he's happy with and that's fine i mean i um yeah i, I don't know but i mean I, I I think our kind of our approach is 
fingers crossed that nothing happens to either Aldevar or Lee Vertonghen. I mean, you know, um, that's, you know, with the greatest respect, let's hope Cameron Carter-Vickers spends the season on the bench. I think Vimmer will be let go in the summer. Yeah, I think that seems quite likely. I think it was one of those where the club weren't entirely sure about the future of Vertonghen at the time because he hadn't signed a new contract in quite a while. Um, and obviously, Vimmer's got all the talent in the world and he hasn't really put... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A foot wrong in a Tottenham shirt, um, but it is, it's sort of, you know, I think there's a brilliant centre back in there somewhere. Yeah, like in the future with it. I mean, he's just he's just perfect, like size wise. But it's just not, just not for us. I don't think. Yeah, it's like being so. Michelle or Kelly in Destiny's Child, and it's you're not going to get lead <laughs> vocals. So no, no, you're not. Just you know, step aside and let Beyonce do her thing. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Um... <laughs> That's like two Beyonce albums ago now, Jack. Yeah, mate, it's a banger though, isn't it? Come on. Um, right, East Spurs Norway have asked us favourite two players who currently play for Tottenham. Go on, Raj, give us give us your favourite two at the moment. Uh, Danny Rose and Carl Walker. Oh, the Yorkshire sure. lads. Seb. Uh, Toby Alderweireld and Eric Lamella. Oh, big shout! Danny Rose and Harry Kane. Gonna have to say, I think. Yeah. Mm. Love Danny Rose. Fucking love Danny Rose so much. I love how, I just love that unimpressed look on his face all the time, you know? Like, Did you see Lamella trying to teach him uh, Spanish on the YouTube channel? No, I haven't. I saw the little <laughs> the thumbnail for it, but I haven't seen the actual video. Is it decent? It's quite funny. It's just him and his, his accent trying to speak Spanish. It's fairly amusing. He's a proper Donny lad, isn't he? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, oh, I do love him. I love him. I liked it. My my favorite Danny Rose moment is that is the is the glare he gave Spurs. He was exactly about that. Yeah, they sort of tr- <laughs> they almost sort of yeah, in front of a better expression, sort of doorstepped him, didn't they? They they pounced on yeah. those three lads when they were walking yeah, around. None of it was it. Was it when we played in Norway last year? I want to say Dortmund. Was it Dortmund? Or, okay, I th- well, it might have been. I, I just I just remember sort of it wasn't even a no, not at the moment. It was just a literally fuck off. Yeah, it gave him a look, <laughs> didn't they? Uh, uh, what a hero! Oh, he's a good lad. Give him the captain's armband. I do love him. <laughs> and he's been, it's crazy how long he's been at Spurs now as well. Really, he's our longest serving it. player. Yeah. It's mental, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. been with us since what? Since he's about. 
18, 19, hasn't he? If not younger. Yeah. We got him from a million from Leeds, yeah. He's, uh, it, it, I tell you what, that quote from him the other day as well, uh, it wasn't even from the other day, actually. It was from ages ago, but I repurposed it the other day. Um, of him saying that n- no other manager he's had, and he was saying, you know, no disrespect to, to anyone else, but not a single manager I've had since Pochettino has taken me aside and worked with me individually. Not a single manager. It's amazing. It's absolutely damning of the managers. It's, it's with. appalling. That's incredible. so bad. Absolutely incredible. Uh, and you believe it also. It's quite interesting because you can imagine um, you can imagine Carl Walker's pretty much been in the same boat as well. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't. I, I wouldn't have thought there's much prejudice between right and left sided fullbacks. Pochettino's so fullback you, finishing school. Yeah, exactly that. Um, interesting. Sad for. You know, Redknapp, Phyllis Boas, Sherwood. Redknapp didn't even train the full squad, so why is he going to be doing individual training? Redknapp had no interest in any player that was outside the first 11, ever. Joe Jordan and Kevin Bond did all the work, and then he didn't even do... Harry Redknapp didn't do team talks before a game because he thought the first half was a gamble. (laughs) He would speak to them at half-time if there was anything that needed to be said. Um, One of the coaches did the uh, before the game team talk. So anything that ever... It's a bit bizarre all that, wasn't it? He did it at all of his clubs. Uh, It is quite weird. Um, I mean, it it did all right for a while, whatever it was he was doing. His reason for saying that was um, that he says that he doesn't know how the other team are going to line up or perform before the game starts. Is that what his fucking job is? (laughs) What's the point in him him telling the players what to do if he doesn't know what the other team are going to do? So I think that's your job, mate, to research Mm. and sort of prepare for matches. You you know All this stuff, though, you know, Danny Rose saying stuff like that, remembering things like that, it just, I don't know, and just my entire lifetime as a Spurs fan, all the managers we've gone through, it just makes you realise how special Pochettino is still, doesn't it, really? Like, you know, this is the best manager we've had for, in my lifetime, and, you know, even my dad's saying probably one of the best managers he's ever seen as having 40-odd years, you know? It's it's crazy. Um Awful if we lose him. Awful. Um, let's not think about it, though. No, 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 no. Uh, let's have another look, look here. Uh, Anatole Pang asks us, all the truly great club sides, Milan 90, Ajax 95, Man United 99, Barcelona now, have had a homegrown core. Can Spurs join them? I love that question. Love that question. I would love to think we can as well. I really, really would. Uh, I mean, let's keep gushing about Pochettino for a bit. Um, We said... uh, Yeah, that that Milan side, sort of homegrown core. Sorry, I'm splitting hairs. Carol, mate, sorry. I had my my pedantry hat on. I mean, I I, I, I said it... Not even half, not even semi, like quarter, if even that. Maybe an eighth in jest that we were going to win the league at the start of the season. Um, but there's always been a part of me that's felt like we got so close last year when we were so head and shoulders above everyone else aside for Leicester that I, I didn't see that disappearing. Um, and I, I, as other than City being pretty monstrous despite the fact we did them, I still think we should be in with a shout at winning the league this year. I really, I really do. Um, 
You, you know, it'd be interesting, Jack, is that like monstrous as City could be, I wonder how they'll respond to being not really just beaten, but kind of beaten up by us. Um, I want to see what they do next, really. And I, 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 I kind of, um, yeah, I don't know. Let's see how good they really are. I mean, how, how, how sort of um, how together the, that group of players is and how cohesive the structure is and, you know, where the little doubts about, you know, not doubts about Guardiola, but doubts about sort of his current direction and how suitable his current set of players are to it. I tell you what, I think in, in terms of the Pochettino legacy um, or, you know, whatever legacy could could come, I think w- one thing we're yet to see um, is a significant loss of personnel under Pochettino. So say, for example, we do lose a Harry Kane, we do lose a Toby Alderweireld. Um, I mean, it's, it's all well and good that we, you know, we can kind of plaster over, you know, and we've got squad depth and so on and so forth. But were we to lose one of those real kind of star players, um, mm. how we'd cope in that way. I mean, you, you can say that of any team, but, you know, most notably someone like Atletico, for you know in Spain they've kind of they still seem to get gutted Dortmund still seem to get gutted but they managed to kind of plow on regardless um and it would be interesting to see how Spurs would re- well not interesting it would be horrible to have to face that reality but uh how we'd cope with losing you know someone like Lloris Alderweireld Kane don't know really someone Deli Ali maybe yeah, I don't really want to think about it. I mean, it needs to be discussed, but I don't know. Part of me believes that I think we're we're a little bit beyond that. I I think we are still susceptible to the very very biggest clubs, and if like a Real Madrid wanted Deli Ali, I, I I think we'd have a little bit of difficulty. But I don't. But think any club it, in the world is going to have difficulty if Real Madrid that, that's come. That's it. Isn't, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Or Barcelona or someone like that, of course. But you, um, I I don't know. I don't think we're kind of, you know, in previous generations. Like if you sort of define a generation kind of five year periods, I think we've always been slightly susceptible to sort of the mass exodus problem where one player goes and you think all of a sudden, yeah, you know, other players commitment starts to waver and they start to think, well, where is this club headed? It's kind of the, 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 the Didier Zakora problem. Um, not that Zakora was a player that desperately needed to be capped, but you, you, you remember what he said when he left the club and when he went to severe. Um, but I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think we're as vulnerable anymore. I think that sort of, I, th- I think it's quite obvious that most of our players have, or all of them have bought into um, the the project, essentially. I think next year will be a little bit difficult because, you know, home away from home, a bit awkward, uh, a bit unusual, you know, sort of um, ground which hasn't been trodden before by us. But um, I don't know. I don't, um, there's something very organic going on within our squad. I think we touched on it right at the beginning in in, in terms of, um, you know how we're not reliant on any one individual player, and I think that that's kind of—I don't know—it just feels much healthier. Let's be honest. I think any of them as well. We've we've said it in previous pods. Look at the look at the stadium that's getting built. That that genuine. Yeah. I think honestly, I think that will Why factor would you into a leave? lot of those players' yeah. minds. They will. They every time they turn up to a game now and they're seeing that getting built, they're seeing yeah. the kind of headlines that are surrounding Pochettino, surrounding Tottenham the way in which we're spoken about now, like the the esteem, the company we keep at the top of the table, you know, you've got you've got Pep Guardiola calling our manager one of the best managers in the world, whether that's just being, as Raj would say, making, you know, 
kissy faces being nicey nice before the game I, you know maybe he was but pretty respectful afterwards yeah, as well I yeah. mean he was well, um, fucking, he was very fucking dignified well should be as well mate like Pochettino yeah he, he didn't, didn't have any yeah yeah, he, he did. I, I just, you know, and also that the, the stadium point is interesting because I was quite shocked that by the progress which has been made. It's crazy, isn't it? It's uh, crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, I walked around before going in, and, and it's actually, you know, I've I've been watching the videos like everybody else, and it's just it seems like the only thing they ever show on those time lapse on that time lapse footage is you know, you know, cement being spread like, in different parts, nothing happening. But it's really like it really uh, in a, in in the sort of the in a, in a very primitive sense, but it already sort of looks like a stadium now, um, which is great. It's kind of like uh, the tearing, I, the staggered I, I, tears and stuff, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's growing out of the ground, and you know, you can, you can, you really get a sense of how big it's actually going to be when you go to White Hart Lane. The now. Dunkin' Donuts Dome, yeah, the Starbucks Arena, the yeah. Nando's Bowl. It's not like Nando's would be big <laughs> enough to sponsor that. It, no, fucking go to that. That'd be great. It's just gonna be there. so boring insurance company isn't it which is right. you know. think think how quick the service would be at that nando's oh mate brilliant um yeah. you know you can get table service at nando's if you ask for it really yeah i mean i won't ever have yeah. cheek myself but apparently you can yeah oh i definitely have the cheek <laughs> i'm surprised they don't do it at bath already do they not come with linen and shit already yeah candles and yeah three different sets of cutlery and a soup spoon no, it's slightly different. I mean, when you get in the door, obviously, like there's a member of staff who just carries you to the till on, on his back. Then you order, then they carry you to, you know, your your kind of gold laced bean bag. Peeling what would you, you like for your chicken your supper? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, following on slightly, this is just a, a, a horrible question, but you know, because it was kind of on on following on from that last talking point i'll put this one to you raj drew j powell asks it's summer 2017 would you rather a kane goes to united b pochettino goes to united Ooh. what's that next summer uh i guess so yeah summer 2017 um uh, i'm not sure i think at this point i think pochettino is probably more important to us if i'm being brutally yep. honest yeah he is isn't he Without without question, yeah. yeah, I'd agree with you on that. It's sad, but you know, yeah. Well, let's hope we don't have to uh, actually think about that too much. Right, that's uh, um, let's. Uh, that's probably quite a big talking point. We won't, no, we won't do that one. Let's just do some film stuff. Um, <laughs> I uh, there's some I football w- to do, but I can't be bothered. Yeah, fuck that. I um, I watched the visit, Raj. Oh. I watched it in the end. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed it actually. I did enjoy it, mate. The nappy scene had oh, me, man. I had me <laughs> retching. Like I honest, just, I looked away. It's like, oh, oh shit! It's vile. It, it, did you laugh? I laughed, mate. I laughed, and then I was honestly retching as what as did it. Charlotte think she loved it as well. We both, yeah, oh. both of us loved it. Like because it is, it's one of those that you you at the start. I think you called it like there are moments when you're like, what the fuck is this? And then other moments you're like, this is brilliant, but weird, but still shit all in it's, one. Like, it's all a bit it's, like, um, 
what is it? Is it nine o'clock at night where they're supposed to go to bed and then not leave the room? And then every single night, for some reason, she goes towards the door. And I swear, it's like one, two in the morning when me and my dad and my uncle watch this. And this is months ago now, but I remember it clear as day. Top of his voices, we're just like, don't fucking go near the dog. Go to sleep. What the fuck are you doing? And all three of us are just, uh, it's one of the, it's the shittest but brilliant films I've ever seen in my life. Just... That's, it, it is that, isn't it? Like, these kids, I think the, the, <laughs> where it kind of let itself down is the fact that those kids weren't scared, uh, really scared at all, about the fact that their gran was fucking weird and doing that really, really weird stuff. Um, that, like you say, they would just keep opening the door where you think they wouldn't do that. Like these kids would not be doing this. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think you, you'll enjoy it, Seb. Does 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 it sound like it? Um, the nappy scene is. I, yeah, I forgot about that. The nappy now. scene alone. There's all sorts no, of weird no, stuff. No. What's the other? Isn't she like banging her head against the door and crawling on all fours around the house and shit yeah, like naked that. and oh yeah, naked. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh god, it brings back memories. Yeah, it's just it's it's absurd, and everybody should watch it. But yeah. it just, it, the mere thought of it just it makes me laugh. Um, it's, just it's it's good yeah. twist in it as well. We won't, we won't tell anyone the twist, but uh, anyone listening, if you do, because it's a lead up to Halloween and all that bollocks. It's an M Night Shyamalan. How do you pronounce his name? Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Oh, the, 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 there's a there's a twist in one of his films. <laughs> yeah, I know. Really? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. hell! Goodness, who 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 would have thought? Uh, he but, sees dead people. Um, <laughs> it's on uh, um, it's on Sky. Anytime, Seb. You watch it tonight. Yeah, no, I, I will do. I um, yeah, the only thing I've really watched recently is the Amanda Knox documentary, which was uh, Jack. Actually, you um, a lot of people have said the same thing. Jack watched it just after me and said, um, Foxy Noxy, like, would far- you? That's what he texted no. me. <laughs> by, by far the most. Oi, 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 I try and have um, some like nuanced discussion about the case and procedure with Seb. Like, yeah, mate. So, uh, yeah, blah blah blah. And then uh, with Raj, it's straight up, Foxy Noxy, mate. Fucking hell. <laughs> but but like, by far the most dislikable person. All of that was the 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 freelance journalist. Oh, of course. Oh, mate. I mean, no, it's mail it was as well. Like, Daily Mail as well. He was. Uh, he, when he he he's actually got a recent article in the Sun. I saw. The joy he takes in being of... a cunt, though, is just exceptional. Yeah, but the joy he takes in it, like right at the beginning when he's saying, oh, yeah, you know, girl had a throat cut, family a, a, a morning. You know, you can ask for more than that. <laughs> know, you just right? think, mate, like, Jesus. You, what the fuck is wrong with you? Are you have a degree of self-awareness or compassion to you? Like, someone's dead and you're sort of, you know, but, but as long as he was the star of the show and, and his kind of justification for... There's a point in it. Sorry if we're well. It's not a spoiler. It's a documentary. Um, there's a point in it where um, you don't yeah, know you can yeah. spoil documentaries. Well, there were bits Meredith that I didn't know, fine, and they were, guys, were quite don't interesting. Don't worry, Seb's not ruining yeah, anything yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. I, it was um, like distasteful. I, maybe a bit, isn't it? That was that wasn't great. No. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, there was a there's a bit where this Nick Pisa guy, the journalist, is is talking about 
the period of time during the trial where like sort of fabricated stories were being leaked into the press uh, and his justification is well you know you've got to be first oh, no, what, it's not this, my job to, what, to yeah, que- it's not my, it's job, not my to, job to question sources yeah, it's like fucking is your job You're to like, do that pretty pretty sure it is you fucking pretty sure that's prick. kind of paragraph two or three of the journalism handbook i don't know not to make up information but each to their own, I guess. I was going to say, there's a but good yeah, he was... five or ten entries in the editor's code book that sort of yeah. is, uh, is... Cover that one. Yeah, but, like, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I, I warmed more to Amanda Knox than I did to him. I mean, he was Oh, awful. she did. Um, Do you think she did it? I mate, Honestly, after watching that, I'm more confused than I was before. <laughs> honestly, I, there's just so many... You know, there are there are bits where the where where Solicito uh, says um, where he changed his story and kind of dismissed it as a kind of the the pressure of interrogation. I thought, yeah, I know that's a thing, but I don't know. It's odd. I, I think I think Rudy probably did some of it. My my, um, my to be honest, after watching that, my my kind of my gut my heart my head all of it says that all three of them were involved in some way i think there was some kind of yeah exactly i I mean i like rudy rudy fleeing the country the day after is a good look i mean it doesn't scream innocent man um but there's something about i don't want to go down the kind of no smoke without fire but there is something about the way all all three of them well the, the, the the two interviewees behave and talk that i just don't trust at all um, and there's, you know, details that you just very hard to dismiss. Yeah, she's made a um, pack out of it now, though, hasn't she? She's got film and book, and she's like writing for local yeah. all sorts of shit. So, well, yeah, she like she she does sort of speaking, and and Rafael Sisto works for some kind of like the Italian News equivalent of the innocent. They, or... Well, like the Italian Italian equivalent of the Innocence Project, and he's like a, a real true crime analyst as well. And you think, yeah. Of, all, of the three of them, I believe he probably had the least to do with it. I mean, he, he seems quite, I don't know, just doesn't seem, he doesn't seem to have that much of a dark side. Um, whereas she, I, I don't know. I, I um, Yeah, very confusing. Bit of weird, I don't think she done it. I don't think she done it. I don't know if she actively did it, but I still feel that she played a part in it somehow or I, I felt the the, the the Italian investigator was pretty determined from a, an early point that she did do it and him with his kind of just know, a bit too old school wasn't he in his approach he, had, he, he was quite effective mate as well he was sort of like well yeah no, I, I read a lot of Sherlock Holmes novels and uh, here's <laughs> yeah. me with my pipe I was like, yeah, maybe you're not actually Sherlock Holmes. Like, just those, I mean, those jumps, he because he, he'd kind of make these points. You're like, okay, okay, yep, yep, yep. And then he'd just make that wild leap where he'd be like, so from that I have deduced that it was her because a man would not have covered the body of a thing. And you're like, yeah, that, come on. Yeah, that, like, that, that, really? Exactly that. It's just like, a, 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 that's a female trait and, and I could see it in her eyes. Yeah, you know. Uh, like, well, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, what's the, yeah, what's the not, Italian for elementary? Yeah, Charlotte. <laughs> What's the Italian word for like in Sherlock Holmes? Elementary. How would you say that? Do you reckon? Uh, there you go. <laughs> That's my Italian dictionary over there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, 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 I didn't like him. I just he, I, I, my, my, my takeaway detail from it. I don't understand why she that, did it. Well, I, I just, I, I understand why. It just seemed as if 
the Italian police from the kind of the the portrayal of the atmosphere um, that you know in the surrounding town that they needed a conviction and they needed one and a suspect really quickly, um, and that would seem you know at least superficially to explain quite a lot of the the the, the bizarre processes that were undertaken. Well, every time the, you you have one of these um, sort of have they done it? Haven't they? Sort of documentaries with you know making a murderer in serial even it always tends to boil down to. They, an, oh, yeah, I was gonna say I was, I was gonna add the um, the. Uh, What's the the the, the Bob Durst one? Oh yeah, uh, the jinx. jinx yeah. I don't I don't think that's much of a mystery no, though. That one, the one no, no, chopped he, up. He some, did it all. Yeah, <laughs> killed them all. Um, did it all. Yeah, um, that's a spoiler. <laughs> Um, yeah. but, um, no, with them, it always seems to be sort of like a police department that's just sort of very eager to get the case over and done with before yeah. people start hounding them. So it's like the first like suspect they have, they right. just instead of trying to find who actually did it, they try and make sure the person they have looked like they did it as best they can. Yeah. So they're just they trying just to find build, a guy yeah. and then just you know build the case around him or her and then. You know, it just it looks so shoddy in the aftermath, though. The things like the kind of the handling of the DNA evidence and the the crime scene investigation, and I mean, it's just it's laughable. And then the quote about Americans drawing buffaloes in caves. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite funny. That was quite bad, but it was it was really funny. Um, it's just like what? It, like, just not the way to go. I just think all. she was incredibly naive and and sort of just sort of fell through the process because she wasn't entirely aware of what of sort of what she was doing and what were expected of her which i think is if you hadn't done something like that you you're very capable of doing sort of just tying yourself up in knots and and trying to be too smart for your own good the, the thing that i don't understand though is god forbid touch wood this doesn't happen to me but if it if it were to ever happen where i were accused of a crime that i hadn't committed and i knew i hadn't committed but the authorities were blaming me um which you know <laughs> let's face it isn't a million miles away from what might happen if somebody that looked like me was accused of a crime happening um then i don't think in the aftermath of being proven innocent i would be like eager to make a documentary about it and write a book no. i would sort no. of I wouldn't change my name, but I'd move to you know fucking middle of nowhere, Huddersfield, and uh, just <laughs> yeah, live a quiet yeah. life. I'd like, you know. I, I, yeah, I, I, although, mate, I reckon you remember the guy who um, the, the the weird landlord guy that was accused of killing that woman, um, one of his tenants before they 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 eventually prosecuted and, and imprisoned a Dutch guy that lived above um, for for killing her. You remember he was sort of subjected to all that kind of harassment on the front page of newspapers and you know he was this kind of weird freak that inevitably did it and and he sort of he went away but then they he kind of commissioned that well he 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 approved that sort of um that dramatization on the BBC about what happened I reckon the temptation to actually not go back into the limelight but at least give your version of something but then like that's like, a bit like when... Ian Huntley though isn't it Ian Huntley before <laughs> no no no, mate, seriously though, he couldn't he couldn't stay off of the news, could he, before before oh, no, he was no, suspected. Yeah, when he was he was interviewed, yeah, 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 he was yeah, that was eerie, wasn't it? Fucking yeah. creepy, man. And his his girlfriend. They, they always say that the there, past are, there are some killers that do it for the the thrill of people knowing that they've killed. That's it, before. right? Yeah. Oh, well, no, I mean I, I know that, but like the, there's a difference between like a, a like a, a sick fuck like Huntley and, and and sort of innocent people that have been accused of stuff. Like they they sort of 
Huntley wants the attention, presumably, whereas Christopher Jeffries, that's that guy's name. Um, oh, or, so that other guy know, was innocent in the end, and he was just weird. Oh, no, no, he, he was completely innocent. He was just oh, a right. sort of... <laughs> He was, he was just a bit of an extroverted character and, you know, had a strange haircut and, you know, um, didn't have a wife, which was apparently damning. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of it's like really circumstantial stuff. And, um, yeah, it's actually a very good piece of... It's, it's a two-part documentary, uh, a two-part dramatization, and it's actually very good about sort of the struggle he went through even after um, the other guy had been... Um, found guilty the thing that i don't um, is the w- at what point does trying to tell your side of the story sort of veer like veer into the lady doth protest too much it's like you know yeah, even, even the jinx was robert durst's idea he approached the filmmakers and that's <laughs> it's obviously because he's fucking mental he is <laughs> such a weird little man though isn't he there's also someone that like lived as a mute woman for a while and chopped up corpses in like i mean yeah it's not up. just any old corpse it's one he's killed first and then <laughs> i wish in, in and then he, then he got arrested for stealing yeah, a sandwich it, it, it's not we're not laughing at like the the people that died it's just the, the, the jinx is such a preposterous story it's genius. Um, I should watch that again because I remember I watched it at the it time because I I read one article the first week it came out and like oh, I think it was on the New Yorker or something and they were just sort of waxing lyrical about how mental this man was. Um, so as as I do, I downloaded it and started watching it week on week and just by the end of it, I was obviously telling you two about it and anyone that had listened to me to oh, yeah, watch yeah. this thing. I watched it in one in a in a, in a single day off. Made my head spin. It was like, just so ridiculous. And then it's sort of that's almost in line. If you remember when OJ wrote that book, what if I did it? Yeah. You know, when he just started toying with people. There's um there's a, a story about OJ. Basically, there's um, lots of stories found, about OJ. Well, there's uh, one of them. There's a um there's a very famous uh, American broadcaster called Dan Patrick, um, and he. Like after OJ Simpson was found innocent, he kind of he did a little bit of TV work and he was used in different things. And um, like Dan Patrick tells a story about how they were in a studio for some American broadcaster during a you know event. Cameras went off and um, or he might have been interviewing OJ. I don't know. And OJ just said to him, "So, uh, do you think I did it?" And then sort of a second before um, for the sort of they came back from ad break, Dan Patrick was just like, "Yep." <laughs> they just carried on it's just sort of like for that kind of person they kind of it's almost like they're craving um i don't know what it's very very hard to understand that um, the oj case especially with the fact that there was like two brilliant series that came out about it this year um it's just sort of it's almost like there's loads of people that demonize the American criminal justice system in one direction um, with sort of making a murderer and, and, and all that sort yeah. of business. But on the flip side of it, you've got, um, you know, the first case in the jinx where he got away with saying that he chopped that buddy up at her self, self-defense. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, wife yeah. one's just a weird one because she disappeared and it just looks worse Yeah, the longer you find out the rest of the people he's probably nah, killed. That's the same. Um, and, yeah. and then on this one with, with OJ, it's just because he had the better lawyers, he got away with it. I think... What, Wait, so what the, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, mate, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, going back to the Amanda Knox thing, um, I think one <laughs> of the things that was probably quite important that did that did stick out for me on a, on a serious note is it it shows you, again, that kind of... I guess maybe because it's a very, uh, a very kind of 
strict um, Catholic country in which the the crime took place and kind of the way, the roles in which our media play at large in kind of the, the narrative they paint of society in that whatever you feel about Amanda Knox's involvement or not, she was heavily demonised for essentially just being like, a sexualized young woman, you know, yeah, that she yeah. kind of hit that point where she was whatever, starting to maybe see a, a few different guys or whatever, hit that point in her life where she was experimenting or whatever, if you like, and she was genuinely painted as being evil as a result of the fact she was sexually active. Which uh, and the didn't the Italian police like convince her that she contracted HIV or yeah, something? Yeah, that was weird. That was so, so weird. I didn't really fully understand that bit. Of to, it. To, to get details because they wanted to get details out of her of how many people she'd slept with, who she'd slept with. But that was um, part of the case, wasn't yeah. it? They like listed to the world media all the people she'd ever slept with. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so I think that was that was something like a really kind of sinister side to it um, i mean they'd still be reading that list now if seb had been caught yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, how long have you got prosecutor <laughs> uh, can we just do this by postcode please <laughs> uh, uh, <twat>. yeah. <laughs> going through going through the phone book crossing out the names that he hasn't you know <laughs> it's just easier to save time yeah take me about 10 minutes um so, uh, yeah, in, right. In, in, sorry, sorry, <laughs> Seb. Cool. Sorry. In the, uh, it's, I'd be interested to know, Seb, in the, because I, 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 I always like to watch, yeah. no, not that part. Um, I, well, I would be interested to know that part, but also, you know, off air, maybe. Um, in the run up to Halloween, I always like to watch horror films. I'm not asking for any of your like home videos or anything. Um, but what is your what's your favourite horror film, Seven? What would you tell people at home to watch? Are we talking horror in the sense of disturbing or horror in the sense of I don't, I don't really like violent films. Horror, I don't really horror, like like horror sort of... in the horror sense, mate. It can it can cover over oh, various oh, I, different okay. things. Um, it doesn't have to be violent. It doesn't have to be. It can be sinister. Uh, I would. Well, I go for two. I think that the films that sort of I yeah I'm not a great fan of the horror genre generally um, genre generally um, but I um, the Omen never fails to disturb yeah. me um, and uh, though I haven't seen it for a very long time now like The Exorcist uh, uh, the Omen I probably put the Omen at the top of that list I found the Omen um, I think as a as a film it's pretty great but I mean uh, yeah just yeah have you, have you ever seen Rosemary's Baby so. No, no, I, I'm really not a big horror it's film not, guy. I, I just um, it's not one for uh, jumps, for gore, for excessive. Yeah, because I, I hate that stuff. Yeah, it's it's yeah, not I like that, mate. It is, but it is probably. I, I I still think stands up as being one of, if not kind of like the darkest, most bleak horror films going. Like it's so so it's it's a masterpiece like it's, it's absolutely brilliant, brilliant but it's so miserable and it's so i don't know it's so well done though but it's one of those things where it uh, you know i, I won't punch like it is so miserable that you're not going to be happy after watching it like it's it's horrible but that's how good it is it is so affecting it's it's uh worth watch i i i've always i mean it's it's obviously you know a hugely famous film but 
I always think that actually, um, in retrospect, something like The Shining is really underappreciated. Not the film um, as an entire piece of work. I just think like the, the way it's set up, the sort of the the way it's shot, and kind of the um, the locations in which it's uh, w- um, within which it's filmed. I, I think it's some. Um, I don't, I've, I've always I've, I've just admire it. I think it's um oh, mate, it's, it's as a bit of it's, best though, isn't it? Like it's, it is it's I mean it's sensational. Um, I don't again I don't really like to watch it. I'm a bit soft with films like that. Um, but it's um yeah masterpiece. What about you, Raj? Um, I, like I said, I'm not a, a massive horror fan. Um, but I tend to like them when they're quite funny as well as scary. Because um, I think that's the other side. I think they're two sides of the same coin, aren't they? Army of Darkness. <laughs> Army of Darkness. <laughs> it's good, Army of Darkness. <laughs> when he cuts off his own <laughs> with a chainsaw. <laughs> no. um, I really like... The um, stupidest film ever made. Yeah. You've not seen The Visit yet, mate. Um, oh, I have no intention of, of watching another M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, no, mate, please, please watch The Visit. Please watch The Visit. And just tell us so. about it. <laughs> Please, maybe, maybe. We can just dedicate an entire hour to watching, to <laughs> discussing that film. Um, I like, um, although I, I classic more of a Christmas film, The Nightmare Before Christmas is um, mm. one of my all time favorites, and I don't really like Tim Burton very much either. Um, so that's sort of a, a, an outlier for me. Um, What's your mouth at? Saw, um, I liked. So I think it, it just got me at the right age, I think so. And the first one was very good. I think they're on about Saw 64 now, so maybe the, yeah. the quality of that has yeah. gone downhill. No, the first Saw not... was great, though. It's an independent film as well, wasn't it, I believe? So. Yeah, it just, it just freaked, you know, with the twist and everything. It, it was it was it's actually really movie. well done. It was nice to see Danny Glover <laughs> acting. Um, well, it's, just, it's kind of one of those films that's been, like the brilliance of the first one has been kind of... Uh, Diluted because of its of legacy. Of yeah, exactly that. Like it's, mm. it's, and it's quite annoying in a way, really. I liked um, one of my favourite, I think, classic ones is Poltergeist, just because that's. It's, oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's not scary at all. It's just um, ridiculous. Uh, have you seen? Uh, well, yeah, I tell you what, one you you gave me the shout out about, mate, was It Follows, and that's a great film. Oh yeah, any uh, yeah, any horror film where like sex is the evil thing is usually good. Mm. Um, and that, yeah, I went and watched that in the cinema on my own, and it freaked me out. Um, the Babadook's the Baba good, yeah. The Australian film, yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, it follows, have, and Babadook are probably the best two horror films of the, the past couple of years. Have you seen um, Jordan Peele has written and directed a yes, horror about film. racism? Yeah, he's really get out. I, it looks yeah, so good. Like, I cannot wait to watch that film. Yeah, I love Key and Peele. Um, you should watch, um, there's a few of my favourite Key and Peele sketches, the um, the substitute teacher one where um, he mispronounces all the white kids' names as if they were from inner city black areas. So there's like a kid called Blake. And, you know, it was me with my full name's Rajvan, so whenever I had a supply teacher in there, you know, I could see him fucking head spinning. I'd put my hand up before they'd even read it because Baines was at the top at register. And I just got it's Raj, mate, you know, don't don't bother trying. And they'd know. So to see that done and flipped on its head and sort of, yeah, there's a kid called Blake and he's like, Balaki, where's Balaki? <laughs> <laughs> like, That's Blake. so good, man. Those guys yeah. are brilliant. Like the Keanu, I really liked Keanu. Um, I've not seen the film yet, um, but I mean to watch it. Yeah, no, I've always really liked them. They're always, they're always really funny. So yeah, get out. I'll be, I'll be 
good one though, I reckon to watch. Yeah, yeah. Even the trailer had me howling. Just the yeah. the setup of it and everything was just sort of I can't believe he's he's done this, but it's um it's perfect. Um. All right. Let's uh let's kill it there. I've had a good good chat about football, a good chat about films, and Amanda Knox. Um. <laughs> yeah. So if you do want to listen to any of the previous episodes of Rule the Roost podcast, you can do so on Acast or on iTunes. Uh, you can visit the website rtrpod.com where you can find all the episodes there embedded as well if you've got one of those weird phones that you know doesn't let you stream stuff or whatever um that samsung one that keeps exploding yeah you know what i mean weirdos um and you can follow us on twitter at rtr underscore pod please as well if you do use itunes leave us a review just put five stars but you can just hammer us give us a horrible horrible review be as honest as you like we're more likely to read them if they are horrible as well. But uh, just give us five stars, you know, because it means that we're uh, obviously having the quality of our material reflected appropriately. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, come on, you Spurs. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 